What's up, NBA fans? So the regular season has officially come to an end. The playoffs are here. The seedings are set. People are losing presidents. People are losing head coaches. All in honor of Game of Thrones starting this week. It's like the Red Wedding in Memphis and in uh, Sacramento and maybe somewhat in L.A. Uh, Magic stepping down. The NBA playoffs are on. But before we jump into any topics, we got to talk about the regular season bet that we had here between the three of us, me, Sean, and our special guest, Scott Williams. Sean, you want to break down what the bet was? Yeah, so at the beginning of the season, we were pretty adamant about a few different teams. Uh, and if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast, you'll know that Allen is a big Jazz fan. I thought the Spurs were going to make the playoffs for sure. So we both made a bet against each other that I thought the Spurs were going to make the playoffs and the Jazz weren't, and Allen bet the opposite. And Scott, our special guest today on the podcast, said that both would make it, which was probably the smartest bet. Of course it was. What are you guys thinking? It was the most logical bet. Of course, there was a good chance both would make it. We were blinded (laughs) of the obvious choice, though. Right. So, yeah, we we bet a drink on it. So we're going to take that drink right here on the podcast. And Scott's going to take a ceremonial one with us. I am sporting a Firestone Propagator Sea Hops today. And Scott, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Luponic Distortion, more importantly with my Kansas Koozie, R.I.P. Jayhawks. <laughs> oh, yeah, not Yikes. a good year for those guys. And I'm, <laughs> for uh, context, I don't have any beer. But I, what I do have is I have this fancy Japanese gin, and I have sparkling water from uh, Smart and Final, so is combine that the two. What? Is that LaCroix? No, it's just uh, sparkling key lime from Smart and Final. <laughs> <laughs> Literally 79 cents. This Japanese gin was a gift, so I'd like to think it was expensive, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, well, cheers, you guys, to a regular season done. And now the playoffs are here. Yeah, but before we go into the playoffs, we got to talk about the most surreal thing that happened this week. I was on the way to a company basketball game with my uh, with my fellow co-workers, and I just got the buzz from Adrian Wojnarowski that uh, Magic Johnson announced that he is stepping down as president of basketball operations. Just a surreal moment. Um, I guess there's one thing to like about this is that Magic was maybe not 100% real, but he was as true as he as it seemed like he could be. Some of the quotes that were coming out of him, uh, Lakers PR was held back here. Some of the people in the media couldn't believe it. Uh, Stu Lance was there. Michael Cooper was there. And both of them looked like, uh, from what Magic Johnson was saying, looked like they had faces of disbelief that he, this was actually happening in front of them. Um, so there was a lot of good, good quotes coming out of this, but... I had to narrow it down to just three, and the one of the one of the ones that was surprising is obviously he didn't inform Jeannie Buss of this. He quoted as saying, "I couldn't stand to tell her," um, and he also was quoted as saying, "I did have a tough meeting with Luke Walton, but that was overblown." So that confirms that reports of him and Luke Walton butting heads potentially did happen. And also, the last quote was like, "He was tired of the backstabbing and whispering." Um, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this come from a head person of, of an NBA team before. Yeah, these are some pretty interesting quotes. The um, I, I know you, you listened to this a few times, and that backstabbing and whispering was something that stood out to me especially, and that's something that he tried to mask a little bit within his quote as like right. underplaying it as like something that didn't matter, and that was the first thing that was asked of him right after he stopped talking, which <laughs> seemed like dragged on forever. Like he, these answers he gave were just so ridiculously long and so repetitive 
I felt like I listened to the same interview 20 times <laughs> within the first 15 minutes. Yeah, and you're and you're right about that. Like when you listen to the whole thing, you you're like kind of stuck in disbelief. But really, out of 47 minutes, there's only really like maybe 10 quotes that really make any progress in terms of storytelling here. Everything else is just <laughs> repeats of. And I mean, I think he repeats himself just because it, how ill prepared he was to make this statement. Um, it was basically seems to have come all out of instinct, all out of just feeling like maybe he was cornered and this is this is what he had to do. He felt it in his gut and he just went for it. Right. That's what's so bizarre to me. Do you think he literally made that decision like right then? Or is this something he's been thinking about for a while? To me, it seems like I, I, I got to think any rational person with a decision like this, you thought about it a couple times before. I think something happened in those meetings and that, that morning he woke up feeling stressed because he had a look of distress. He didn't not, he didn't look like himself. He looked, he didn't look composed. He looked, you know, like somebody who, who was uh, adamantly upset, uh, disappointed and also happy, but also having a breakdown at the same time. So it looked real to me. And so I'm going to say he came to a 100% decision that morning. Hmm. Yeah, he, I think I remember him saying something like he said that this was something he came to a decision to today, but he had been thinking about it for like at least a little while. But yeah, just it was so ridiculous. All he'd say is how happy he was for the Lakers, how the future was bright, how much he loved Jeannie Buss, um, brought up Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo in the same exact context of, man, they're going to be so good, like at least 10 times over. <laughs> Um, just evading questions all over the place, coming back to the same answers over and over, talking about how happy he was, how much he prayed about it. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, this is just the most nothing 45-minute interview <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, I couldn't even watch the whole thing. Yeah, I listened to the whole thing more than a couple, like, I'm going to say at least five or six times. Um, and I mean, granted, I've also was working and I had it on in the background, uh, but for me, you're right. I mean, a lot of it was just sort of praising Genie Buzz, talking about the future. But, I mean, if you're going to take things away from it, uh, I made a list here of some of my big takeaways from it. And I had to make a list and write them down because it seems like you could take a lot. And here's what I took of it is this, this performance in front of the press by Magic Johnson shows just how big of a dumpster fire the Laker organization is and has been probably this entire year. Uh, Magic really showed how naive and ill-prepared he was for his job not all, and for this press conference as well. And I think it strengthens more the reports that Magic was an absent president. He was sort of the type of guy that did just come into the office maybe once a week, told a couple people what to do, shared his thoughts, and did very little to actually support um, his Laker employees Luke Walton or Rob Palenka um, and it really makes you question a lot of the moves that happened within this within the rule of Magic Johnson from Julius Randle to Brooke Lopez the D'Angelo Russell trade the free agent signings of this summer the Zubok trade even maybe the Lonzo Ball pick um, and I think if we want to bring in LeBron James it seems to me like LeBron James we were probably going to get LeBron James whether or not we had Magic Johnson and if he could, if he saw this at first glance, I think he also uh, probably didn't put too much emphasis that he was come that Magic Johnson sold him on some vision because it seems like he really had no vision here. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it did come out that seemed like Magic was not wanting to really commit to this job as much as he needed to. The president of the NBA of an NBA team, man, like this is a huge <laughs> commitment. Um, and he he talked about all of his business stuff and how he has so much else going on for him. And right, uh, it's just this is a good move, honestly, for the future of the Lakers. Like, it's a good thing that he actually came to this realization that he wasn't actually bringing anything. I think it's just fascinating the timing of it all because this is their summer. Like, if, right. if they don't land somebody this summer, they're in trouble moving forward. So. I think the timing's really bad for the team, regardless of what Magic was or wasn't as a president. I think, like you said, Alan, the the idea that this is just a dumpster fire, honestly, and it's it's way messier than the NBA wants to believe. And if you're Anthony Davis or if you're Kyrie Irving or any of these guys, how do you get excited about going to the Lakers after all this? Exactly. And I got to think Jeannie Buss and the rest of the Laker team has to be fuming about this, like... I mean, not only is does do the Lakers not look like an embarrassment, but the depiction that they have to the players and to agents and to coaches out there, like it's just got and it's just gotta not be good right now. And right now it looks like we're slowly going into the same pattern the New York Knicks have been in the last twenty years is just a shuffling of presidents and uh general managers who all come in with the who talk big talk and after a couple of years quit and the new manager comes in and cleans house and repeats the pattern um and it just becomes the only consistency is just media court me- mediocrity on the basketball court um and mediocrity in in terms of winning winning records and losing records yeah i just wonder if all of this would have been different if the lakers didn't get all these injuries happening this year if lebron didn't get hurt like does magic johnson even step down because it's still the same problems you know, right. except they're winning a little more. I feel like it all just comes back to winning. If they can somehow figure out how to win, all of these off the fe- off the court issues are gonna go away. But until that happens, like this is just gonna be what the Lakers are. It's just a big Hollywood movie at this point. Right. And when you're looking forward to what's next, Ramona Shelburne com- reports that Palenka will most likely gain more power through the free agency season and potentially through the draft season because I mean the Lakers have a lot going on this summer like none of this stuff is going to take a pause just because magic's gone (laughs) um and for me I just man I want the Lakers can they please just hire the smartest person available like who cares (laughs) who cares if they were a Laker or have some ties to the Laker brand like no more of that like let's just go out there and hire the best person we can RC Buford or David Griffin Give us one of these guys. Maybe swoop up Bob Myers from the from the from the Warriors. I don't know if that's realistic, but can we at least do that? I've seen people clamoring for Jerry West to come back to the Lakers. Yeah, I mean Shaq definitely um advocated for that on TV, and if that can happen, let's do it. But I just don't see Jerry West coming back to the Lakers. I don't know what happened between them two, but it seems like it seems like. I don't know if he would be excited to come back, and he's got something special going on on across the street with the with the L.A. Clippers. <laughs> yeah, man, getting to those playoffs, right? With nobodies. Yeah, it's just tough. You guys have any thoughts on what should happen next or what the Lakers should do? I mean, I don't really know front like who I, who are the available front office people very well. I haven't really done any research into that. 
I feel, I don't know. Is David Griffin really that smart of a person that you mentioned him? Because, I mean, I feel like he didn't really do much for that Cavs team with LeBron. You really think that they'd want to run that back again? I mean, I'll run him instead of some uh, no-experienced general manager <laughs> or or president of basketball operations. They, they, should get, they need to get Sam Hinkie. Yeah, or Sam Hinkie, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. But, hey, it's better than getting somebody with zero experience is what I'm saying, is just get somebody with experience and who has some track record of success. Uh, you know the other person they might want to look into is uh, Anthony Davis's cousin or oh, brother. No, no, none <laughs> of that. That's yes, the exact yeah. stuff I'm talking about. We no, because to... then you'll get Anthony Davis, though. No way, man. You... <laughs> no way. How did that work? I mean, I got to think this KCP signing maybe was also that same on that same vein. You know, good friend of LeBron, same agency. <laughs> and because of that guy... Uh, I mean, we gave him more money than we than Julius Randle's getting and Brooke Lopez are getting yeah, right now. So, yeah, it's combined, <laughs> man. Combined, it's exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah, can we get Kawhi Leonard's uncle as the, <laughs> as the new president? <laughs> oh, so how about moving on? In honor of Game of Thrones, it was the Red Wedding in the NBA and David J- uh, J- What's his... Oh, I can't say Jaeger. Jaeger is gone from Kings as a Kings head coach. So this is what I thought was funny about this is Woj tweeted his potential firing at 8.09 a.m. And at 10 a.m., the official word that he was officially fired came through. That's so bad. Oh, my That's God. so bad. <laughs> this do, is the do, era do we live in. Do you think David Jaeger knew? Oh, do, you knew he, do you think he knew that he was going to get fired before Woj knew? Uh, Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure he had to, his suspicions, but maybe he also wasn't I aware. Have the my contract suspicions. Ex- but the contract extend- the extension to Vladi Divac also came through that same morning. So it's true. He, yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there was some talk about how him and Vlade did not get along during the season, but it just seems like a flex of power on Vlade's part, not a basketball move because they won 39 <laughs> wins. They got 39 wins this year, 39 games when everyone expected them to be a top three lottery team this year. Like no one thought they were going to win at all. And they were in the playoff hunt for a good 50 games this year. Exactly. I mean, Buddy Heel, De'Aaron Fox. Dude, wait, these- wait, who's that first name? Buddy Heel, man. Buddy Heel, <laughs> potential all-star. That's right, man. He he was close. He had a case for him, I think, for for a couple for maybe a month there. Um, and he was he's been solid the whole season. De'Aaron Fox, potential candidate for most improved player. Like, dude, he had this team rolling. Like, why you let him go? It's got to be for reasons outside of basketball. Um, yeah, but so the only the only reason I can I'll maybe back this up is that. If we remember, the Warriors did something reminiscent to this when they fired Mark Jackson and replaced him with Steve Kerr. After it looked like the Warriors were looking really good. They had made the playoffs that year. They were looking really strong. And then they go and fire their coach. Everyone was like, what the heck? And now they're a dynasty. So maybe he's trying to pull something similar there. But that could just be a stretch. Right. I'm not sure if Vladi Divac is that savvy of a of a <laughs> man, general manager yet. I mean, the reports are that Luke Walton is in the running for this oh, job. No. But I don't know. Really? I, I think that's got to be bogus. I mean, this guy, Luke Walton why? still has a job. <laughs> but like, why? I heard that too. Wait, why that Luke too. Walton? He hasn't proven anything. Right. Luke Walton is not, I wouldn't declare a, an upgrade from David Yeager. 
That's insane. That's their first choice to replace David Yeager? Yeah, I guess I'd so. Heard that too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when you look at the other firings of Lottie Deed, I mean, maybe not quite as uh, headliney, but Chris Clark of Media Relations is gone. His assistant general manager, Brandon Williams, is also gone. Vladi Divac is bringing in a new era for Sacramento for the next four years as his new contract extension takes takes effect this summer. Um, but then on, in Memphis, also more firings across the board. Sean, you know more about these firings? <laughs> I don't know anything about these, but <laughs> head coach J.B. Bickerstaff is gone, which, I mean, we could kind of see that coming. He was never really a, a long-term solution for this team. They were going to have a bad year no matter what it seemed. And they had, they had actually a very good start to the year. But, I mean, as it seems to have gone for Grizzlies seasons the last few years, it just was never meant to be. And so yeah. you see him go, and you see the demotions of the GM, Chris Wallace, and the vice president of basketball operations, John Hollinger, um, demoted to scouting and senior advisory roles, which seems really like demeaning to me. <laughs> well, like that—that's a pretty bad demotion from what are some of the most highly coveted positions on an NBA franchise. Yeah, and I mean it had to happen. This this Memphis team has struggled the last few years. There's been injuries here and there, but at the end of the day, you've made some really bad moves, bringing on Chandler Parsons and a few other bad pieces. Um, haven't really been able to get a lot of young talent around aging Gasol and Conley, and they just they just need to go in a new direction. And you know they they're gonna have to rebuild around guys like Jaron Jackson and see if they can figure out something to build around him. Yeah, and they've gone and, through several yeah. ownership hands, so I think there just seems to be too many cooks in the kitchen right now. It seems too many people want to pull the franchise one way, others another way. Uh, but hopefully they get on a consistent path here. Lucky for them, though, is they don't have the media spotlight that the Lakers do, so they can kind of just, you know, continue moving under the shadows with this. <laughs> yeah, like this This is not any, anything close to the news of Magic Johnson breaking because it's Memphis. <laughs> right. Um, the Cavaliers as well um, mutually agreed to part ways with their head coach and uh, Larry Drew. Huh? Just, a, just another day. For teams that are tanking. <laughs> that, that was always coming though, right? When you said basically, I won't coach. I'll just stand there and make subs halfway through the season. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Until you give me a contract. Right. I'm just going to stand right. there. I just think it's funny that like he's like, I, you have to guarantee my contract. But then they mutually agree that, you know, this just isn't working. I, mean, I thought that he'd want to at least still coach with them in some capacity. True. Yeah, I'm, I would bet that this is something that was like agreed upon when that all happened. Like, we'll give you a contract to the end of the year, and then out you go, kind of deal. <laughs> it's like if you can get twenty wins, we'll let you be the coach yeah. next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and James Jones um, staying for his position as general manager with the Phoenix Suns. I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Yeah, there's nothing really exciting about that. I think there could be, though. I mean, the Suns need to do well in this next draft. And if they pick up another piece, I mean, they could be a good team in the next couple of years. There's a lot of work to be done, but they have good players. I mean, when you got a guy that can go for 70 on your team, I think you have a chance. Right. DeAndre Aiden looks well, too, so... It just depends. So many teams just betting on those lottery balls to see if they go their way. We'll yeah, see. With a guy like Zion in the draft, that's not a bad strategy, honestly. Yeah. And then two guys officially retiring here, just bringing the end of truly an end to an era. I mean, 
Is LeBron James, Kyle Korver, are these the only mid two thousand guys still Vince left? Carter. Vince Carter. You got yeah, three guys still left. Jamal Crawford. Oh, Jamal Lou Crawford, Williams as well? I'd say. Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton. <laughs> how? How in God's name does that man have an NBA job? <laughs> He's gonna make a difference in that playoff series. Yeah, he is. Oh my God. But truly though, like LeBron James, the last remaining All Star or superstar from that mid two thousands. Uh, era still left, but Dwayne Wade and Dirk gone, um, putting down, putting together some respectable performances their last games. Any thoughts here for these 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 two stars? Yeah, I mean Dirk putting up twenty and ten in his final game is very poetic, along with Dwayne Wade getting a triple double um, in his final game. You can't really write it any better than that, honestly. Like they they did what the equivalent of Kobe scoring sixty was <laughs> for his game. So I honestly think this is awesome. And how dare you not mention Udonis Haslam <laughs> as the third guy set to retire? Uh, he got his first start of the season and his first double double since twenty fifteen in his last ever Miami Heat game. Wow, he was a staple for that team as well. You know what's crazy to me, though, is why did the NBA do these two guys a disservice? They had to have guessed that these two guys were going to retire this year and schedule a home game for the last game of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think to add to what you guys have both said, I think those two guys are as class and act as you will find in the NBA, and especially for superstars that they've had such squeaky clean records their whole time in the league and um, I mean, you see all this this promo stuff coming out about Dwayne Wade and Dirk and all the people they've helped along the way. So, yeah, it's, it was a really cool send off both in their home home final games and in their actual finale away from home. But uh, you wish the NBA would have looked a little <laughs> further ahead and given them a little thrown them thrown them a little bit more of a bone there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe they're hoping they're going to come back for one more season. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I guess it was fitting that Dirk ended his season in San Antonio. I mean, they had a bunch of playoff battles all throughout their career, throughout Dirk's career. So I guess mm-hmm. that's fitting. Greg gives him, Greg Popovich gives him the respect, I think, as a competitor that Dirk deserved. And yeah. on Dwayne Wade, I mean, man, talk about promos. That Budweiser commercial. Yeah. Up unreal, there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's one of the better. Wait, I didn't see that commercial. What was that? Uh, we'll, we'll share it with you. For, okay. all the, for all the listeners out there, if you want to cry a little bit, you should, <laughs> you should watch that. This is an incredible really promo. Um, so let's talk about the playoffs, man. They're here. So let's break we, it down. We made it. <laughs> yeah. So let's break it down here. We're going to give our picks here and they're set on this dock. So there's no going back or there's no, oh, I remember <laughs> it differently. Um, so let's go with the first one is Warriors versus Clippers. BPI, ESPN BPI has 89% chance that the Warriors win this one. 538 has a greater than 99% chance that the yeah, Warriors win this one. <laughs> Not exactly 100, but pretty damn close to that. Uh, so- I just think it's really stupid that this they give the Clippers less than a 1% chance, but they give the Pistons a 5% chance to beat the Bucks. Yeah. That is just unfair to me. I, mean, I I don't think I don't think they have their math right. I mean, I mean the 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 Warriors are a dynasty. We're talking here. The, the Bucks. The Pistons don't even have a winning record. <laughs> true. I don't know. I guess there's not much to. I mean, there's a lot to argue there. I think, but I'm not gonna get into that kind of warm. I just can, I think the Warriors <laughs> deserve that 99 percent chance. But anyways, uh, my take on this is. 
there's no way the Clippers can win one game, I think. <laughs> I think there's a chance they bring it they come within five points to win one game. Uh, but at the end, I think it's going to be a 4-0 sweep here. And if we want to talk about an X Factor or somebody who could make a difference, there is nobody that can make a difference. Only the Warriors <laughs> getting injured can make a difference here. So literally <laughs> Durant <laughs> tweaking an ankle and Curry, like two of these guys got to go down. Um, yeah, I'll tell you the, what the X Factor is. You want to hear what the X Factor is? Sure. This is legitimate. <laughs> Patrick Beverly injuring Steph Curry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's just one more thing to what I said. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, if Steph Curry goes down, Durant goes down, or a combination of any of the other players, then they have a chance. Outside of that, it's a 4-0 sweep. I'm giving that, I'm giving that more than a less than 1% chance of happening. That's all I'm going to say. Really? Okay. What's your take yeah. here? Oh, yeah. I say there's at least a 5% chance that Patrick Beverly injures Steph Curry. All right. We'll see. We'll see. For the whole, yeah. for the whole, even if Curry goes down, I still think it's a sweep. It's got to be like Curry oh, and Durant. On. No way. Or Curry and Thompson or Curry and Draymond. I'm going to, I'm going to play Homer right now for the Clippers and give you this stat that, if they keep it close, they have a shot to win the game because they own the best plus-minus stat in clutch time in the entire league for the regular season, at a plus-65, with Lou Williams leading the league with a plus-nine okay. in clutch time. This is playoff so basketball. if it's close, yeah, I know. It's fine. That's fine. Look, That means the Clippers are used to playing in pressure situations is all that stat The means. only problem with that stat is that they weren't playing against the Warriors and they weren't playing in the playoffs for any of those games. So I, I'm with Alan. I think it's 4-0 <laughs> and it's not close. Yeah. You guys are going to be so upset when the Clippers win two games against them. Like I said, I'll give you this. I think one game might come, might be like, might be, it might come down to being a five-point game with like 45 seconds to go. But that's as close <laughs> as it's going to get. <laughs> I, I will make another beer bet. Uh, they will win at least one game. All right, you're on. I'll make that bet with that's you. Easy. That's easy. I got this. <laughs> All right. All right. So if there's no more thoughts, let's move on here to Nuggets Spurs 2-7. and seven. So this one's a bit more interesting. I like that. Yeah, we're getting a little bit more interesting here as we go on. So mm. BPI has 71% chance for the Nuggets. 538 has an 89% chance favoring the Denver Nuggets as well. So this is, I guess, if you're comparing franchise, it's, Youth versus experience here with Greg Popovich leading his San Antonio Spurs. I think it's 22 consecutive playoff appearances now. Wow. Yep. Insane. So <laughs> not that that really means anything really because all obviously the teams, the, the San Antonio Spurs are completely a lot different from any of the other teams that have come in the past. You got, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge being the consistent one here. Um, I, I, I like this series, but I still think, I think I'm going to give it to the Denver Nuggets here. I think Joe Kick. Uh, Gary Harris has been playing a lot better. Will Barton is catching, is looking a lot better as well. Jamal Murray is doing what he's always been doing all year. Um, Gary Harris, the last three games, averaging 15.6 points a game, shooting 53% from the field. He's looking like his normal self, and he's looking like he's going to be that consistent third scoring option for them. So I got the Nuggets winning this in six games. Cool. That's extremely bold, honestly, I think. And the numbers might serve to be in your favor, but I have to go with experience again. I feel like you're falling into the same trap of doubting the Spurs oh. and what they're capable of. I have the Spurs in seven in this series, wow. which might be a stretch, but <laughs> the Nuggets have proven that they're not a very good away team. They have an amazing home record, but their away record's pretty bad. 
And that tells me that they're going to struggle when they're playing in San Antonio. Whereas the Spurs, I think, could steal one at home against the Nuggets, at least in one of those games. Right. So you have them winning in seven games. Do you think the Spurs can win in Denver? Yeah, I think they could win game seven in Denver. No chance. There is a ton of chance because (laughs) there's a lot of pressure on these young guys that haven't been there before. None of them have been in the playoffs before. Not a single one of them, except for Paul Millsap. This, this is true. That's why I don't think this is going to end in five or four games. I'm giving it six. Um, you would really think the Nuggets would sweep them? No, I'm. it's going to end in six games, so I think the Spurs win too. I just feel like you're not giving them enough credit again. <laughs> I, I love Sean's passion. I think the <laughs> X factor here is going to be Nikola Jokic, and the Spurs just don't have anybody that can really match up against him. Right. And so I, I'm with Alan. I think the Nuggets win in seven. I think I think the Spurs do win at least two of their home games, and maybe they do steal one in Denver. But I don't think that – I think Jokic is going to have an absolute monster of a series because who are you going to line up against him? Mark Saltridge. Lamar Aldridge, he's yeah. not he's not that good. Yeah, he's not that good. Not not defending, no. <laughs> no, can't that's hang. true. Lamarcus Aldridge isn't a good defender, but I did yeah I did see a stat actually that was interesting when Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge are on the floor together, the Spurs are seventeenth in defensive efficiency. When they're both off the floor, they're actually first in the league in defensive efficiency. Wow, interesting. I mean, Den- yeah. Denver actually has a lot of firepower. Like I said, you got Gary Harris, you got Noel Murray, you got Will Barton. Paul Millsap. I mean, Paul Millsap has thrown together some freaking crazy games this year. Some double doubles, some vintage Paul Millsap. And I mean, I think if Lamarcus Aldridge is too busy holding down Joe Kick, Paul Millsap's right there, and he's going to swing by and just uh, destroy that interior Spurs defense. I think. Yeah, I will say that if the Nuggets do win, I think it would be in seven, and it would be because Paul Millsap has a monster series. Yeah, so I still say six. I think. I think it ends in uh, in San Antonio for the Spurs. So here, here's my question. I just want to throw out there: How many minutes is Isaiah Thomas going to play for the Nuggets? Oh, great question! <laughs> yeah, great question. I feel like we should have an over under for that. Yeah, like per game or just overall minutes total? Probably per game because we don't know how many games it's going to go to. Yeah, true. Right. I go. I'll go. <laughs> I'm going to go zero. <laughs> wow. So I don't think he's going to even play. I gotta think somebody's gonna hit uh, foul trouble at some point. I'm gonna go with hmm. I'm gonna go with ten. Okay, so hmm. let, let's use ten. Ten's the ten's the barrier. Alan, you going above or below ten? Sean's going. I'm under. going below. Sean's going under. <laughs> I'll go above ten. I'll go above my ten. Yeah. What do you think? On on average, I think it'll be below ten. I think there will be at least one game where he I does just, play ten. He's but just I don't not think he'll play ten consistently. With the whole team healthy now, he's just not even in the normal rotation. Monty Morris has right. been out playing him the whole year. Exactly, and he's a good player. I don't know how you play him over Monty Morris. We'll see, man. So we'll let's take the average. So say like, I mean, I guess yeah. So if it goes to six games, he doesn't play any minutes. Two games, but he does play <laughs> like he ends up playing like twenty minutes, and it averages out to ten or twelve or whatever. Then we'll go with that. Will any of those minutes be productive? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? I think so. The dude can still score. Yeah. He just can't defend can anybody. Can he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if score, if like your definition of score is what it should be. <laughs> I mean, you give well, him. I'm an OKC fan, so anything. <laughs> yeah, you give him five shots, I think he makes two. At least two. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. This is going to be the interesting one, though. Mm. This is the one I'm pretty excited to see. Blazers versus OKC. The Trailblazers ending up stealing that th- that three seed from the Rockets. Um, and OKC holding on to that six seed despite their stump in the, mo- in the month of March and halfway through February. So ESPN BPI has 57% going to Blazers. And 538 has a 78% chance for the Thunder to advance. So we get wow, two what a polarizing um, odds here. Which one are you like, going with, Sean? I'll let you start this one. I know which one Scott's going with. <laughs> I'm also going to go with 538. I don't see how you can give the Blazers the advantage here when Nurkic is obviously hurt. If it, Nurkic wasn't hurt, I think it would be a very even series. They don't really have anyone to match up against Steven Adams now. Right. And you and you have to ask yourself, how healthy is CJ McCollum right now? Because he missed, what, like three weeks at the end of the season and only came back for like one or two games, to my memory. And I just think that's not enough for the Blazers to overcome a team with Russell Westbrook firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I agree. I think CJ McCollum needs at least one more week and... That's not going to be enough time. It doesn't get it. Home court advantage <laughs> probably goes out the window here. Um, what are you thinking, Scott? I think the big wild card is Paul George and the so- this sore shoulder that he's supposedly dealing with. And right. It doesn't seem to be too serious, but with all of these guys, you never quite know. I mean, it could be worse than it appears. And So if he has to miss time at all during the series, I think that it tilts back in the favor of the Blazers, but I tell you what, nobody is more excited than the Thunder that the Blazers snuck that three seed out from underneath the Rockets. So <laughs> I think when you when you look at the path for the Thunder now, they go from like oof, maybe getting to six games against the Rockets in the first round to like a realistic chance of making it to the Western Conference Finals just because of a one game swing there. So I, I like the Thunder. I don't think it's going to be easy because it's never easy for them. So I'm going Thunder and six. Yeah. yeah, I'm also going Thunder and six. I'm going Thunder and five. Um, like I like I said, I just don't see CJ McCollum playing as well as uh, the Trailblazers want him to the first two games here. And I think the Thunder are going to end up taking one of those and then taking both, um, just finishing it off there in five games. I, I really want the Trailblazers to have been fully more better equipped for this, but I don't think it's going to happen for them. And if I had to point a, an X factor here is Damian Leonard basically playing uh, just career god mode, and <laughs> Russell Westbrook basically just going in bus mode, where he go he has he puts together like a a two for fifteen type night, and he has like nine turnovers, which he's capable of doing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally very good. capable. Uh, that is gonna be a really epic showdown, though, Damian versus Russell for the whole series. But Russ is, I mean, it's going to be essentially a wash and the Thunder just have more than the Blazers do beyond right. those two. Exactly. It'll just be cool to watch them play each other is all I'm for saying. Sure. I don't think that that's going to make an even matchup at all. And Ennis Cantor might have something to prove going up against OKC again. There he is. But he's still going to get bullied by the strongest man in the league. Oh, yeah. He's going to get torn down by Steven Adams. <laughs> the Stash Bros back together the again. The Stash Bros, yeah, fighting each other. <laughs> this actually That actually makes for a great poetic piece right there. The Stash Brothers, once brothers, now enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be exciting. Uh, I I, I give it five games, but honestly, I am hoping that this goes to seven because I would love for it to be an exciting series. I think this there it has the star power, so to be an exciting series, but we'll see. 
Yeah. Let's go to Rockets Jazz. This is going to be interesting here. You got the number two offense versus the number two defense in the league. Or in other words, the Utah, the number one defense in the Western Conference. ESPN BPI has 56% chance to the Rockets and 538, 64% to the Rockets. So a little bit closer, but still going the, in favor of the fourth seed here. Um, I mean, both teams have been riding a hot streak since the All-Star break. You got Clint Capella versus Rudy Gobert. You got Donovan Mitchell versus James Harden. Uh, there's a lot of pieces here. Who wins here, the defensive team or the offensive team? Uh, I, ultimately, the season series here is 2-2. I'm going to go with the upset here, and I'm going to go Utah Jazz in six games. Hmm. I, I, you, none of what you said convinced me that the Jazz would win in six games. What I heard was Donovan Mitchell can try to match up against James Harden. That's a stretch. <laughs> Clint Capella versus Rudy Gobert. I might give the edge to Gobert there, but then you have Chris Paul versus doesn't matter <laughs> is what I'm seeing here. You got Ricky and Rubio, the, man. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> Who's the other? Raul Nato, or what's the other yeah, guy's name? Yeah, let's not even let's not even try to think about it. It's not worth it. But yeah, you have Chris Paul versus them, and then Eric Gordon is a better shooter than anyone else on the Jazz. I just I can't see the Jazz overcoming this Rockets team that is is has the best record in the NBA since the All Star break, without the the super easy schedule that the Jazz had um, for their run at the end of the season. I have to see this going for two Rockets. This is going to be a grind fest. I'll tell you how this is going to happen. Is the Utah Jazz are going to have to just grind this game out. Do the same thing they did to OKC last year. Is just throw bodies at the, at James Harden. Uh, the same way they did to Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Is just never let, let down in terms of the defensive pressure. And then just hope that Donovan Mitchell doesn't run out of energy on the offensive end. And I think Rudy Gobert is a better player than he was last year. So, and you got Derek Favors playing playing pretty well as well. So, you got the twin towers down there on the offensive end and the defensive <laughs> side. And if they can grind this and slow this game down, I think they have a good chance here. I'm with you, Alan. I actually think the Jazz take this series. Wow. Um, I I could see it going seven. Um, but you can't forget that Chris Paul's one hamstring away from them not winning. Oh, another that's game. true. <laughs> it's a different. It's, that's it's the only X the factor. first round. It's not the conference finals yet. <laughs> you can't you can't count on the hamstring failing yet. He's gonna get through at least two rounds first. Yeah, I I maybe, <laughs> but I I think the the switch for me is that the Jazz can score enough and they defend well all of the time and the Rockets all it takes is for them to go a little bit cold in a couple games, um and, and the Jazz can take those games. I wouldn't be shocked if it was kind of like a a series a couple years ago when you had when you had the Warriors and the Thunder and you had just had teams blowing out each other whenever they were at home so there were no close games. I could see it kind of being one of those type of series. Um, and I think the Jazz are are better able to deal in closer games. Yeah. Um, especially because it's just harder to score in the playoffs. And James Harden is one of the greatest we've ever seen. But I also think that you get away with fouls in the playoffs that you wouldn't get away with in the regular season. So his free throw percentage, his free throws taken are going to go down. Um, and I could see Utah sneaking away with this one. And uh, that's probably a good. Well, you know what? I'd, I'd like to see a Houston Golden State series in the second round, but I'd like to see Utah win the first round. So we'll see. Yeah, I would actually love to see Utah versus Warriors. Is um, but 
I mean, we can't be thinking about that. We got to see this series. But I think if, I mean, if Utah wins this in six games, all it takes is stealing one in Houston. And I think they can do that and then just protect home court and walk away with a win. But you're right, Scott. It could be one of those. It could be that series where it just depends um, who's on fire. Who um, And it could be just a pattern of uh, blowouts here. This is some serious disrespect to James Harden. I'm hearing from you too right now. Well, you know I have no respect for <laughs> this him. Man's so gonna, it's fine. This man might still win MVP, even though Giannis is the most dominant force in the league. It, it's like it baffles me how people have him as the favorite. I mean, I know he can score a lot, but Giannis is just so insanely good right now. <laughs> well, it, it, it's like this guy could take away the MVP from him, and he'd be the MVP two years in a row. And he's still got a great supporting cast around him. I mean, Daniel House has really stepped up. P.J. Tucker is playing well. Eric Gordon's playing well right now. Austin Rivers. I hate all of those players. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I it, it's too bad Austin Rivers is on this team, or else they might even be able to beat the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, the I gotta say too, like I am not a fan of the Rock. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Rock. I gotta say, I feel the same way about the Rockets the way I felt about the Spurs in the mid 2000s. I buy that. Yeah. Completely. How, how did that work out for you? I think they ended up being a dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. But I don't see the Rockets being that good. But I feel that same kind of just like, you know, I respect them, but I don't want you to win. And I like the Jazz. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul is just a big bully, man. Or he's a tiny bully, he's actually. A, he's like a little pit bull. He's like the smaller pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite but, the pug, but... You know, just like a smaller Yeah, side. you got to be tough. You got to be tough to win in the playoffs, man. And Chris Paul brings that. Yeah, talking about Giannis, though, let's go to the Eastern Conference. I mean, there's a couple of these that I don't even know how much time we should even really spend talking about. <laughs> but Bucks. <laughs> this is one of those. Yeah, it's like one minute. Let's go. Starting now. Bucks versus Pistons. How did the Pistons fall this hard? That's the bigger story here. I have no idea. Blake Griffin is injured. It seems like they still have a – they should have a decent – uh, record with given their decent roster, I think, but ESPN has 94% chance going Bucks, 538, 95% Bucks. I agree with that. Four game sweep, uh, done and over. Yeah, this yeah, is moving on. Yeah, one of, this is one of those that should be greater than 99%. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't this one greater than 99%? That's that's all I'm saying is, I, I I like the Clippers' chances to win a game more than the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, what a slap in the face if this ends up going to seven, but I doubt it. Oh, come on. <laughs> How would that happen? <laughs> There's nobody on that team. Blake Griffin's going to be so hobbled. Yeah, I'm trying to... Maybe Blake Griffin could have pulled off one win, but he's too injured to do that. Right, the X Factor is yet again... I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's already down, so you'd have to take down Eric Bledsoe or Giannis himself. Yeah, the Bucks might want to just toy with the Pistons and let them win three games to make it so Brogdon has more time to come back. That's not a bad idea, I think. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. But let's go moving on. Raptors versus Magic. Sean, you said the Magic would not make the playoffs, and yet <sighs> here they are with the seventh seed. Man, this... They pulled off an amazing four-game winning streak at the end of the season to punch their ticket. I, I would, did not think that they were capable of doing it, but... They were able to be just inconsistent enough to end on a good note. And now they're going to end on the other side of it by losing four games in a row. So I actually, I'm going to, you know what, just to troll you, I'm going to go five <laughs> games. <laughs> I think the Magic take one at home. I think they take game three. I think the crowd's going to be so hyped to finally see this team in the playoffs. <laughs> they're just going to grind one out. And I think Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, they're going to just be, you know, kind of casual about it. And they might end up losing this game. Um, the only reason the Magic would win a game is because 
the Raptors use a uh, load management day for Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs as the ultimate disrespect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very possible that they have Kawhi Leonard maybe take a game off, but <laughs> looking at the odds breakdown here is ESPN has the Raptors at 89%, 538-98% for the Raptors to move on. So we're all in agreement here, I think, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Sweep or no? The, the Magic winning game would be a miracle. Yeah. Raptors and four. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go I with I think five. this should be greater than 99% too. This is ridiculous. BPI gives 11% chance to the Magic. Insane. I don't know how. Yeah, I'm, I I, don't, I would think at least 95% if you're going the like, lower I don't end. know what kind of math they do, but it's definitely wrong. They need to check their work. Right. So let's go 76ers, Nets. Uh, ESPN has 79%, 76ers, 538, 95% to the 76ers. The Nets clinching their first playoff appearance since 2015. Um, it's possible that Embiid might not be ready for the start of these playoffs. So that might skew the odds. So I'm going to go with five games here. I think maybe the Nets sneak in there and take one game. Yeah, I, I put 4-2 just because if Embiid misses that first game, they might lose it. So... I'm just kind of banking on him missing that by going six games. But if he's healthy, five. I agree with you, five games. This Nets team, like, I'm proud of them for making it this far. Making it into the playoffs is a huge accomplishment for them, honestly. But, man, it, it would just be so much of a better series if Levert and Dinwiddie weren't still coming off an of injury. Just They did not look like themselves for the last few months of the season Yeah. Um, coming back from their respective really bad injuries. So... Uh, hopefully next year they come back even stronger and hopefully they're healthy the whole season. But with D'Angelo Russell really only being the one that's healthy here, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line for me, all three of these teams, Nets, Pistons, and Magic, is they're not playoff teams, but they're in there just because of the weaker <laughs> conference. Like, I don't know. That's the truth, isn't yeah. it? It's If this isn't a reason to reshuffle the playoff order and do away with the conferences... I mean, we see it every single year, and I feel like the top three seeds in the East almost always sweep in the first round because six, seven, and eight are just so bad in the East. So I'm going sweep, sixers and four. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So what's interesting, though, is that this team would still be like a playoff team if the Kings were part of the East. So they're still better than the ninth best team in the West. Right, but that's because of the record. The Kings also had to play the Warriors four times <laughs> and the Clippers four times. Like, Yeah. That's the, that's what throws off the one through 16 um, idea is that that means you have to figure out how to balance out the schedules because, yeah, I mean, I would make the argument that the Kings have a way harder schedule than the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I would argue you're completely <laughs> right. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's a matter of location too, right? Like they play like they're in these divisions and they play four games against these teams because of geography. Right, exactly, yeah. for the ease so, of travel. Like, I don't think that would change even under a system where it was uh, no conferences. They'd still play the people that are around the most. Unless you cut down on regular season games. Right, I think that would be yeah, the better. Which won't happen because no, there's too much happen. money to be made. Yeah, that would be like you'd play everybody twice, once at home and away uh but yeah right. you would cut your your regular season games but right i mean you get screwed i mean okay see like that division over there like spurs rockets okay see that's, nuggets. yeah nuggets that's a tough one yeah that's a super tough one almost five teams made all four teams out of five made the playoffs right. in that division right 
Um, but moving on from there, let's go Celtics Pacers. Probably the only interesting series here in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I would make the arguments this might be a, one of the more competitive uh, series in the whole in the whole first round. Here is so you got sixty six percent going to the Celtics according to ESPN. Five thirty eight has seventy nine percent going to the Celtics, and Marcus Smart just going down with a torn left oblique. That was guaranteed mm. to lose at least the first two rounds of the playoffs. Man, this is a team in shambles. I mean, you just had Kyrie Irving describing the season as uh, bullshit. <laughs> I mean, just because, like, you have to say it because it seems like that's what it was. Um, and I, I want to root for the Pacers here, but unfortunately, I think undeservingly so, the Celtics are probably going to go to the second round. They're going to win this in six games um, unless – I think the dark night for the Indiana Pacers comes through, and that's going to be Bojan Bogdanovic alongside Miles <laughs> Turner. Just Miles Turner, just go ham and really deliver some grind out some wins for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, Boyan's going to have to be the guy for them, but yeah, the Celtics team just has too much talent to lose to a team that just plays with heart. It kind of reminds me of the Clippers team. Yeah. You know, they're just a lot of solid rotation guys and they have guys that can step up on any given night. But at the end of the day, when it, when it comes to playoff basketball, talent will win out. And Kyrie Irving, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the, the 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 Pacers don't have as guys as talented as those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. I mean, it really is it's like the sexy pick to pick the Pacers because it's you know, it's possible. I mean, you, you look at how they're playing coming into it, and you're like, yeah, it could happen. But, Sean, I think you're right. When it comes down to it, you put the ball in Kyrie Irving's hand in a close game, and the Pacers just can't do that. So I think Celtics probably win. I'm, I'm going to go as few as five, but I think all five games are really close. Yeah, I'll, I'll go six. And the Pacers will win two home games. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's going to go six games. Uh, unfortunately, it will end in Indianapolis here, but – I, I'm gonna be watching this one. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna be rooting <laughs> against my. I'm rooting pick. for the Pacers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, like I do not like these Celtics. Like, man, if they do not make it out of the first round, Kyrie's gotta go, right? I think In so. In today's world, for sure. <laughs> Where's the grass greener? Man, and he's gonna go. Would they still trade the whole team for Anthony Davis? Maybe. I don't know. Probably not, because it'd just be the Pelicans all over again. <laughs> but man. That would be insane. What a turn that, of would, events. It, they would, their whole franchise would implode all this work that they've put in to make this super deep team. All these picks Danny Ainge has acquired would all be for nothing if they lost in the first round here. Yeah, this With a fully healthy team. Right. Fully healthy. <laughs> this would literally, yeah, this would be a season that would be talked about for years in books. Like, yeah, people will this reference. Would be a, like, a, like a 30 for 30, the team that never was. Right. It's not... <laughs> well, it's ironic too because Marcus Smart is one of their least talented players, but they can't afford to lose him. He's like yeah, one so of the like, guys they most cannot afford to yeah, lose. Yeah, so is like you think Marcus Smart actually not being there is like really important for them? I think so because I mean they're gonna have to grind out possessions and he's probably their most versatile and maybe their best defender. Right. So I think they get away with it against the Pacers because there's nobody that can really exploit him. But then you start talking about playing the, the Bucks, Bucks in round two. Yeah. Eek. Yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah, well, our picks are set there, and we'll be referencing these as the playoffs come 
move along. But let's go through the best performance of the week, the last week of the regular season. Got to give a shout out to Alex Caruso, the bright spot in the Lakers garbage dumpster fire of the last two months. 38 minutes, 10 for 19, 32 points, 10 rebounds, uh, five assists and two steals and a win against the crosstown rivals, the Clippers. I don't know if this is even a rivalry really other than just sharing the L.A. name. Clippers are clearly yeah, so the better team this year. The, the, the big point is someone give this man a contract. He deserves to play on an NBA team. He balled out for this last month. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think the Like, he's got to be better than, like, Mike Muscala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have had him great. out here. Then last, <laughs> great point. Yeah. <laughs> then Lance Stevenson as well. I mean. Yes. He Yeah, he's better than, like, everyone on the Lakers right now. <laughs> Yeah, and how about Mario Hinojosa coming through at the very end for the New York Knicks with the 16 points, 16 rebounds, 11 assists, triple-double in a loss against the Houston Rockets. What a guy, man. He's been hiding out the whole t- this whole season for this team. Well, I wouldn't speak so soon. <laughs> there, There's one more section left of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, he, he got the opportunity, and, you know, he's really playing for a contract next year, so... He's got to go for it. Right. And then you got Jamal Crawford at 39 years old putting together a crazy performance here. This was insane. Kobe-esque <laughs> level. 18, 18 <laughs> for 30, 51 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists in the loss against the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> of course still it was lost. A <laughs> I mean, this... What? It was like Devin Booker scoring 70 yeah. and losing. Yeah, I mean, do you? How do you celebrate? Do you think Jamal Crawford celebrated this? I guess you do. Oh heck yeah, dude! He totally celebrated. They don't care if they win at this point or not. Right, but it's all about individual success. But this man becomes the oldest player in NBA history to score fifty points. I mean, it's got to be like an asterisk uh, next to that, right? Because no, this year people are just going bonkers in terms of scoring the ball. Oh no, asterisk, man! <laughs> he did it. He scored the points. True. All right. All right. This is crazy. I no one saw this coming. This the last week of the NBA is just so weird. You see these guys come out of nowhere and put up monster games that didn't even really exist for the rest of the whole rest of the season. <laughs> it's what you do, man. You sandbag the regular season. You just end with a headliner. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get in the gotta get in the headline. Yeah. You, then you just cross your fingers that some big shot doesn't step down from basketball <laughs> operations to steal your thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no one talking about Jamal Crawford's 50 point game, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, I guess that's one, that's another shot at Magic Johnson's, his stepping down just overshadows these games. Like Dwayne Wade, 25, 11, and 10, triple double in his last NBA game ever. And then Dirk, 30 points, eight rebounds in his last home game and win over the Suns. But like I said, both kind of overshadowed by Magic Johnson in a way. <laughs> Yeah, the th- the funny thing about Dwayne Wade's um, last game in that triple double, he was really gunning for that. But in his last home game, he stood up on the oh. announcer's table and like fell and said he hurt his knee, <laughs> and he like said he wasn't sure if he was gonna even be able to play in that game. <laughs> but he got hours of treatment apparently, and he was able to grit it out. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Wow, well, I guess when you're old, you know you're old, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that was like the final straw. If there wasn't one already, it's like, should I retire? It's like, yeah, I hurt my knee falling off an announcer's table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, now let's go to the worst performance of the week. The last one for the regular season. Nikola Jokic. No. He's avoided uh-huh. <laughs> this category all year, but here he is, man. This guy's had a stellar season, but hey, when you're bad, you're bad. So 16 minutes, one for six, two points, five rebounds, two assists, and fouling out in a loss against the Utah Jazz. And 16 minutes. Was this, did he intentionally do this? He had to have. Like- <laughs> he had to have. I mean, oh, I don't know. He just didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm waiting for the playoffs now. I guess so. Hopefully this isn't like a bad sign. But, I mean, this game went a long way in helping the Jazz move up to that fifth seed. So, hey, I mean, Jazz Jazz don't mind this. Yeah, they, yeah, they don't mind it at all. But, yeah, wow. Not what you want to see going in the playoffs. Right. How about here your boy, Mario Hinojosa, man? <laughs> he is. Here he in both is. Both sections. <laughs> How many guys? 21 minutes. Yeah. Zero for three, zero points, and six turnovers. And that loss to the to the Pistons yeah. uh, to end this to end the year. The Knicks go off exactly the way that their whole season's gone in a huge blowout loss. I mean, I think that's the true measure of the worst <laughs> performance. Literally, all three of us could have done that. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I can miss three times and give the ball to the other team six times <laughs> in twenty-one minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could do it in even less time. I can be more efficient. <laughs> Well, he did the right, Pistons but, a favor though by throwing this game away for them and right, yeah, get this I mean, win. the the Hornets ended up losing their game anyway, but yeah, it really sealed the deal for the Pistons in getting that final win that they needed to clinch the eighth seed. But I want to end off the worst performances of the week um, for this 2018-2019 regular season with this last game: Sacramento Kings versus Blazers. The story of how the Blazers ended up with the three seed. <laughs> instead of the four seed so what happened here the kings lost 136 to 131 to the blazers in one of the most bizarre games that i've ever seen i didn't watch it but what looking at the box score the portland trailblazers rested their entire starter and bench rotation and only had six total players play in this game and fernie simons who was their number one pick this year gary trent jr who I don't even think Scott knows went to college. (laughs) Yeah, no idea. Yeah, he knows where everyone's gone to college. He doesn't know that. (laughs) Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard, Skull Labasier, who I thought was on the Kings, but apparently (laughs) is on the Blazers, and Zach Collins. Three of those players, Simons, Trent Jr., Lehman, played the entire game, did not miss one second. And Leonard and Skull played 42 and 41 respectively with Zach Collins playing 13 minutes as the only bench player. Wow. And they outscored the Kings by 20 points in the fourth quarter to take the win and get the three seed, which will might end up biting them in the ass <laughs> now that they have to play OKC instead of the Jazz. And this was just so bizarre. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand, how, for one, how the Kings lost this game. And two, how the I've never seen a team play three guys an entire NBA game. I've never heard of that. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> this is an interesting strategy. I thought the Blazers were really gunning for that three seed. Like, I didn't bother to really look at the box score. Oh, or else I would have. It's a shame I didn't because I didn't see this gem, <laughs> this gem of a box score. Uh, this was so interesting. And then. I could even have included Fernie Simons as a best performance of the week in his first ever NBA start. <laughs> Goes for 37 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists on 7 of 11 three-point shooting. 
Wow. Maybe th- for this rookie who has not played in like any games this year. This could be a confidence booster for this guy heading into the playoffs potentially, but this is this is bizarre. Wow, the fact that they <laughs> were able to hang on for 48 minutes, like that's hard in an NBA game again. Like either the Sacramento Kings were not trying or that's tough, man. And oh, so it kind of maybe I wonder if there were some people who were fuming after this game. Like it seems like Portland either just didn't care or were really trying to lose this game to get to stay at the fourth seed. <laughs> and Bernie Simons had something to say about it. <laughs> we're not losing. Yeah. Get, oh, my God. Shout out to these guys, though, man. They uh, stay competitive and still take the win. Yeah, easily easily the best game of the week. <laughs> well, this is a story to tell, man, for a couple years probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, to close the podcast out, we got to give a shout out to one more guy. We didn't put him in the best performers, but we got to give him the best class performance award or something because Kemba Walker going off for 43 points and what is hopefully to me his last career game as a hornet because <laughs> this guy should not be on this team and this guy was fighting to get that win to get this team into the playoffs unfortunately did not go his way pistons win hornets lose um and this is all in a season where davis and jimmy butler both tried to force trades out of their franchises kemba walker stayed put in his even though he's clearly the best player on that team and it's probably only the third best paid player on his team uh, which is bizarre in, in of itself. Um, so crossing my fingers that this guy can actually go on to a decent NBA team and we see him in the playoffs next year. Um, but shout out to this guy. I gave him a class award to close the season here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all credit to Kemba Walker. I don't even know which team he would go to, but it has to be someone besides the Hornets, and I hope it's already a contender. Yeah, I do too. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to catch us week in and week out. Now that the playoffs are started, we're going to be breaking down each playoff series and, and keeping ourselves accountable to the picks we made earlier today. So we'll see who ends up in the in the right here. And thanks, Scott, for joining our, the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Go Thunder, go Clippers. Let's go. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody.